Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is EJ Musa, and this is another episode of The Naked Truth. So this episode will be part two of my conversation with Chris Coughlin. We're going to continue where we left off. We do hope you enjoy it, and we encourage you to provide any feedback you have for us. Questions, feel free to email us, ejmoosa, M-O-O-S-A, at ejmoosa.com. Now, here we are with part two of Chris Coughlin and I talking about issues in and around Johns Creek. Um, you pay an annual pass, 
You get to park there or you can pay $3 a visit. It works. It generates revenue for them. And I don't know anyone who complains. So um, I, I applaud you in your pursuit of people paying for the resources that they use. I, I, I think that people were willing to pay for the resources they use because they have better resource, better uh, accommodations at those locations. Because otherwise, you're always having to spend your money trying to raise money and figure out where the money's coming from. You know, think about it. $40 is almost 6% of what I pay in property taxes in Charles Creek. I do that voluntarily. No one has to put a gun in my head or send me a bill. So I applaud you for pursuing that. And that's, uh, again, that's heavy on the board direct side. Uh, with, uh, in, in regards to infrastructure or transportation, I want to expedite those T-Spots projects that will have the, uh, an effective result on congestion, um, specifically with the barnwell Holcomb Bridge. Those, those projects where there's an actual effective method will be said, hey, you got to pay higher taxes for do it now. I think we need to you know, expedite these projects, make them a priority when, when they're a fit for the residents. Um, I'd like us also to implement the strategies of filling those gaps um, in infrastructure for schools, areas, uh, and, and revising the policy to allow better pedestrian cyberless access, even uh, neighborhood uh, vehicles. Um, so, so creating a more walkable solution. And the, the thing about this, Safe Route to School is, is more than willing to partner with us to do walk audits and to help uh, provide those infrastructure gaps. And th those come from both voluntary sources and um, uh, GDOT. So uh, we pay taxes to Georgia. So um, where there's funds that are supposed to be appropriated to implement uh, infrastructure for cyclists, uh, pedestrians, and, and basically multimodal paths. I like to look at those policies, especially the low-angle route. Right now, if you jump on your bike harness and, and ride down the sidewalk, you would get ticketed because I believe you're older than 12 years old, and I think uh, that it's a tickable uh, fine within John Street. So we, we got to... Uh, well, do, do you happen to know, has City of Dallas Creek written tickets for that purpose? I'm not sure, but I just know okay. it's on our book. I know it's illegal. I also know it's illegal, but it's very confusing. You know, I, I am a cyclist. I ride up and down 141. I wish they would sweep the bike lanes once a month as they're supposed to. I know they don't. But the problem is nothing is labeled. The Greenway, for instance, along 141 on the, on the uh, westbound side, is not labeled that it's available to ride bikes north and south. And but I, if I found a police officer that was going to write an adult a ticket because he was on the sidewalk along with his child, I would say we've done a poor job with our police officers. Um, the roads, as they are now configured, are not good for cyclists. And we keep talking about live, work, play, but even now with the plans to widen 141, you know, they're going to get rid of the bike lanes. That is not what we want. Cyclists are the type of people you want to encouraged to move into your community. They're high income, they're healthy, they make your community look vibrant. So, you know, if the city of Dallas Creek wants to pursue that sort of environment, they need to do it with full gusto. They don't need to get rid of bike lanes. And, and, and the, the truth is, we got several dollars to put those bike lanes on 141. I'm surprised that now the objective is to eliminate them and put a 
curb to curb with uh, three lanes of traffic. Um, no, I applaud you. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, here's one of the pet peeves I have. I've listened to, you know, I, I haven't been attending city council meetings like I once did, but I listen and watch every single council meeting. There is no plan design capacity in 141, okay? There was design capacity when it was widened from one lane to two lanes, but since then we've added a tremendous number of traffic lights, and every time we added a new traffic light, we lowered the design capacity of that freeway. I know the mayor likes to speak about, he used to say 10 pounds of sugar in a five-pound bag, now it's down to seven and a half pounds of sugar in a five-pound bag. The reality is each intersection has a design capacity. What we learned during the Jacobs conversation last work session or the previous work session was that we don't have a traffic engineer. We have traffic light engineers. What's it going to take for us to get a traffic engineer that makes recommendations for specific intersections? Well, and that's what um, I'm continuing to bring up the point about the low-hanging fruit. So intersection by you, what been your passion about getting that third southbound lane on 141 through the intersection of 141 and State Bridge to be a through and right instead of a dedicated right uh, and turn lane? They actually have video of you standing there watching how little traffic uses that right turn lane, and it could be utilized by southbound traffic, yes. And, and that's something that could be done in a, a couple of days, and with very, very low cost, with a high improvement throughput. What, what um, do you uh, estimate at 50%? We actually set it for modeling, right? And then you back to 44% because of you, right? And turn. that's low-hanging fruit that we have to uh, pursue. It's kind of... Uh, Turn lane on McGinnis Ferry, those intersection improvements, we need to evaluate and tackle those immediately in my humble opinion. Why aren't we? What's the roadblock? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I guess uh, I think staff, it, we have too many goals and um, too little of a focus, I think, on what should be transportation infrastructure. But I thought this was the number one problem in Joe's Creek. Everyone campaigns on the fact that transportation, traffic is our number one issue. Why are we not getting it completed? I, I don't know. That's where our new public works director, I, I spoke with her the other day. We have high hopes. Um, and it's just, you know, I told her, I was like, this is the bane of the existence of John's Creek. Everyone loves it here except for congestion. So I, I hope uh, you know that, that I believe, I told her you know on council, I, I want to be the ally for transportation projects that are effective. And so um, I'm not saying that every project we come forth with should be pursued, but I do think we need to put a highly dedicated focus on that. And, and um, I know we Again, I'm not a big fan. They brought this uh, this uh, discussion on uh, the beautification of medians and how we should maintain them. And I think you know, if we put the, the landscape in place, it needs to be maintained. But I think we're we're maybe putting emphasis. I don't give a damn about how it looks. I want it us to pursue it. I want us to be freezing by it where we don't even have time to look at the aesthetics. 
I, I agree completely, but I heard some who talked about having standardized median width so that whoever's doing the right-of-way maintenance can do it in the most efficient methodology possible, right? Um, so if, it, if, they can, if they can design the median for two lower passes versus whatever they have to do now, for instance, I'm just giving you an example, um, and it's efficient, two times up and down and be done, that's what we should do. I mean, there, there are methodologies we can do to make it so efficient, we don't even see those guys out there taking care of it right away. But, yeah. you know, that's another thing. Unfortunately, I've, I've, uh, I'm kind of viewed as almost an anarcho-capitalist in, in that regard, that I, I, uh, when they're describing how medians look from a beautifully landscape medium to what they refer to as a bankrupt community median, and um, I would argue that... Uh, does anyone actually know the difference between the median on 141 that take a left on Old Alabama and the median from Old Alabama taking a left on 141? I bet you they didn't know that the, the cement median is the bankrupt community right there on 141 and then the landscape one. So we're spending millions of dollars on, on these types of things. And again, I, I'm trying to get people through the focus there. So Yeah, you're, you're right. I want to get people home. I want to get them to their sports events with their children. I want to. I want the last mile of their travel to be the most enjoyable mile they can because they're not sitting there waiting at three traffic lights and then trying to get home. I agree completely, Council Member uh, Coughlin. So I, I do appreciate your efforts. So I hope you recognize that, and I hope that you can continue to push forward. And I hope that you begin to speak up more often in the council member meetings because sometimes I think you're a little bit more quiet. I think you have something to say, but I think you bite your tongue. And you're probably a better person than I am because I would probably speak up. Um, yeah, I, I guess I should uh, provide a, a more deliberate dialogue on things that I do support. And uh, I do think I'm so, – so now that I'm hitting the turning point, I have the 12-week-old Nora Rose. I have uh, communicated with council and, and some city management staff that if, if there's a champion to expedite some of the low value work and get that off our plate so we can concentrate on the, the things that are going to bring effective change to John Street, then uh, let me be the champion in Q3, Q4. So I hope, you, I hope you'll see more, uh, and more of me and hear from me more often over these last two quarters of this year. So what, can, what can the residents of Jones Creek do to help you pursuing that purpose? Uh, just staying on task with agenda items that have uh, relative, relative impact, right? I, I think we're too uh, – we spend too, too much time necessarily on uh, things that, that won't be in the best interest of the city. For example, the North Fulton Transportation Plan with its – uh, discussions of high density and, and, and some of the projects that I didn't think were uh, in the best interest of Johns Creek. Um, we spent so much time going over that project uh, through work sessions. We left other policies on the table that would have a better impact. So, you know, I will be explicitly clear from the outset on a lot of these. I don't support this, so I'm not going to provide much dialogue. If, if you guys don't, if one of you doesn't have great friends, let's move it along and get the things that actually 
Okay, well, that, that, that reminds me of something. I, I saw a work session one time. I think you guys have Apple, uh, um, whatever they call it, the Apple work pads. Um, and why can't they give you a list of the items that might be available for discussion, and then you guys vote on each one and address them in order of uh, importance to the council members? Uh, the mayor sets the agenda and, and sets the call. We can vote uh, for particular agenda items to be added or taken off. Um, but he sets the priority? Yes. And so, um, but generally, if you ask for something to be added, uh, the mayor will will give it uh, a chance. But with our agendas being the way they are, we, we have six to eight hours of work to do in two hours. That's what I want council to come in with a, a renewed focus this year of, of what the original mission is of John Street. Uh, if it's not helping change and improve the landscape of John Street, we don't need to beat a dead horse. We, we need to move on these issues. I'm not saying give uh, each uh, agenda item due diligence, but if, if you're not ready to uh, make a case and vote on it, then let's not argue for two hours. Uh, vote and get the hell out of the way. Uh, I, I agree completely. Okay, so here's my last topic for today. Last year at the millage rate meeting, you brought up a lower millage rate um, than what was advertised, and I think you it may have saved the residents $500,000 in total. You can tell me the exact amount. And you were chastised by council members for blindsiding them with your proposal. I found that totally crazy because at a millage rate meeting, a city council member should be prepared to discuss raising the millage rate, keeping it the same, lowering it. I, I, I cannot comprehend personally a city council member being blindsided by a proposal on what the millage rate might be. Anyway, in, in, in spite of that, I know that this year, the mayor and others are looking at millage rates below the rollback rate. Doesn't this kind of vindicate you and what you proposed last year? Yeah, because uh, it was a very minimal cut uh, last year. It's something now I'm a firm believer in incrementalism. Uh, you don't always need to hit that run ball, but make incremental small wins. And that was, I've argued that that I want to lower the millage rate about 10%, not necessarily from the rate itself, because as you know, the valuation will adjust it, but uh, from a, a revenue impact uh, because of, of how much we did over it every year. And so that, I've said that from my campaign outset. And uh, so you should know to expect that I want maybe a small reduction every year until you prove to me that we need this revenue for particular expenditures. So that's what I think the hearing and the debate should be about. And so um, uh, until we, uh, you know, the, the fact that if someone wanted to introduce a 387 as a trade or a 2.5, I wouldn't care if they did it. Just have your logic and reasons and, and for, be able to provide that at the hearing. That, that's exactly the place it, it, it should happen. So, what about a 0, 0.00 millage rate? Do you see the city of Jones Creek able to ever move away from taxing residents based upon the profit, the value of their property, and then taxing them based upon the services that they require? Could, could we get to that point? 
Uh, I believe it, it might be difficult, but as you can see from what we do in our sales tax revenues, if we could make uh, add, uh, another bit of consumption tax around the area, absolutely. So it, it would just it would not unfortunately be under the total purview of uh, uh, local legislation, but uh, if that's something we'd like to pursue, uh, consumption tax are generally the best tax you'd want to use. So, um, and, and you see, we, we see what's driving some of the best revenue this year. It's all about the sales tax. And then I think the sales tax is also evident of the uh, uh, economy at large, but it also, I think when uh, you use a consumption tax, the government understands based on the economic conditions, say we, we're on a good bull market, and I know uh, it, it, the valuations may not be there, so, so a recession may be coming. So if we had it based on consumption tax, I believe if the residents have to tighten their belts in certain aspects, my God, shouldn't the government have to uh, uh, do innovative ways to uh, maintain a, a high-level service but also cut expenditures during those times where residents really need their dollars? Uh, or have a, a more appropriate place for their dollars. So I, I think the argument for consumption tax is is, is, um, is definitely the, the route to go. Will we ever move there from a practical standpoint? I doubt it, but I support it in a heartbeat. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, Councilman Coughlin, because my personal belief has always been that everyone should have an equivalent amount of skin in the game. And when everyone has the same amount of skin in the game, they will care about what the outcomes are, as well as how much more skin they're going to have to contribute. So, um, those that are getting the free ride, they don't care. They just they will just use whatever resources uh, are provided for them and run up the cost for everybody else. So, I appreciate those comments. I, but I know you're from a philosophical point of view, you're you're facing an uphill fight. But you know what? It's a fight worth fighting, and I applaud you for that. So. Well, thank you for your time, Chris Coughlin. I have uh, enjoyed my conversation with you. Uh, I would look forward to talking to you in the not-too-distant future, and I applaud you for all of the efforts you've made on behalf of uh, the residents of Jones Creek. I know some other items that you've been fighting on behind the scenes for the residents of Jones Creek I'm not going to mention, but were we to accomplish those things, the residents of Jones Creek overall would be much more um, happy with the situation. So I, I, I cannot thank you enough. Amen. Well, thank you, Ernest Spencer. I know it's good talking with you, my friend. Good talking to you. I'll speak to you soon. So that wraps up our conversation with Chris Coughlin, City Council Member for Johns Creek. We hope that you have found this conversation enlightening. Once again, I do apologize for some of the audio quality. This is a learning process for for us, but we will get it mastered and we will try to provide you some of the best content about what's going on in and around Johns Creek. If you do have any feedback, we encourage you to give it to us, ejmoosa at ejmoosa.com. That will get the emails to us. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, and we look forward to talking to you in the near future. Until then, this is EJ Musa and the Naked Truth.